Welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. I, of course, am your co-host, Kylan Savage. With me, as always, is Mr. TJ Smith, who's looking at the screen very closely. Sorry, I had a... Kind of closing his eyes. I don't really know what he's doing. Got some vision problems tonight, y'all. Oh, I man. Kind of squint a little there bit. There it is. Ah. <laughs> you don't mind. What's up? Oh, I see where you're going there. Mm. Yeah, that was pretty good. We also have beautiful producer Josh Olson. What's up, jammers? Yo. Ooh, nice. So yeah, this is uh, this is another CJN classic. We have no guest this week, but we're talking about an album I'm super excited about. As am I. Uh, should we just get into it? I don't know. Should I just say what it is? Yeah, go for it. I mean, people don't definitely don't know. They haven't read the <laughs> yeah. title at all. <laughs> so this is one that has been requested a few times on social media, right, Josh? Mm-hmm. Yes, it has been. Something that we've we we've kind of talked about tangentially through a couple of episodes by a Mr. Steve Taylor. Mm, going mm-hmm. all the way back. If you've listened to Yeah, all the way back, volume three. Take yeah. Me to Your Leader by Newsboys. Yeah. We we were we were kind of, you know, I would say Steve Taylor neophytes. Definitely. You know, we were, mm-hmm. you know, our I've been slightly embarrassed by people's reaction online to oh, you don't know who Steve Taylor is? How do you not know this? And blah blah blah. And I'm like, I don't know, man. We all I'm I'm know, just gonna own live it. our lives and I'm not embarrassed consume at all media in different ways. <laughs> my generation is very different than the generation. I think of Steve it's a Taylor. generational thing. It's so definitely a generational it. thing. So it's not really our fault. I feel like we're we doing our best. It. Yes. Like now that we have like yeah. fully grocked who he is and what he's right. done for music in, in the yeah. genre. I mean, we've covered three around. albums he's produced yeah. on this show. And we're yeah, learning and we a lot. We haven't talked about him yet. <laughs> With Other each album that, that we cover, exactly. we like yes. learn more we learn about a little him. bit more about him. Yeah, you know, I actually had this thing the other day. There's this horror movie that I watched called Possession uh, that's wild. It's like this Polish horror movie. And I I tweeted about it when I watched it. I was like, dude, why did no one in my life tell me that Possession is awesome? And then some random jackass part of like film Twitter, like quote tweeted me and said, Oh, another day that someone hasn't heard about possession. And I was like, I, well, you aren't talking about it. (laughs) I called him out. I was like, Hey, why do you got to do me dirty like that? He's like, Oh, it's just, this happens like all the time on Twitter. Like people don't, you know, everyone acts like possession is this like new thing. And I was like, or maybe people just consume media at different times and have different life yeah. experiences. So maybe don't be a fucking jackass. And look, man, what if like, b- because he saw you tweeting about it, he celebrated that and got excited with you instead of being exactly, which is what we're kind of hoping for here. Yes. So come Please. with us and celebrate Amherst us learning more about it on our team. <laughs> rather than be judgmental. Let's all, Help if us. you love Steve Taylor, rather you know than things, yeah, rather than get mad at the fact that it's taken us 74 episodes to <laughs> to talk about it, join us where we are and yeah. re-experience Steve Taylor. You know, that's see it, it through our eyes. Because that's the best. That's my favorite thing, man, is like sharing something you love with someone that has never experienced it. So Absolutely. let us be that for you, Steve Taylor heads out there. <laughs> 100%. We're here for it. So should we get a little context? about who steve taylor is and what this album squint is i would love to do that are you are you asking me kylan or i am asking you okay 
before before Josh does that, I I I do want to share one thing. Please, we could dub this a a like a small segment called TJ's research, and it will be in and out real quick. Um, on Wikipedia, the genre of this album is described as rock, CCM, hard rock, rock opera, reggae slash ska. That is all. I'm done. Wow. Okay. I don't know much about Steve Taylor, but that totally makes sense to me. <laughs> I love it. I am the reggae so throws me, but and maybe yeah. the ska. I'm not expecting that, but yeah. All right, Josh, tell us. Thank you, TJ. I would like to thank you for that. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Roland Stephen Taylor was born December 9th of 1957 in Brawley, California. Roland? Roland Taylor. That's his middle That's a- name. Steve yes. is his middle name. Steven is his middle <laughs> That's name. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, he will be turning. This episode is coming out in November. In December, he will be turning sixty-six. So uh, happy birthday, happy Steve. early birthday, Steve. Happy birthday, Roland. <laughs> yep. His career. Yeah, Roland. His career is from nineteen eighty-three to kind of nineteen ninety-five. But he's done a lot of stuff post then. He's very. He's still active and going on for mm-hmm. this album. It's basically Steve with a lot of studio musicians. Uh, Steve's on vocals. He has guitar with Jerry McPherson, who's played with Ray Boltz, Twyla Paris, and for him. And honestly, a lot of these I have just like too many to name of like all their credits because right. they're just like they're just big studio CCM guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. has like played with Phil Kagey to some extent, and like has like credits on Free at Last and right. uh, joined Chagall Guevara, which was like Steve Taylor's side project. That I'll talk mm. about in a second. But Phil Madera on keyboards, Wade Janes on bass, who played some sweet, sweet bass on Jesus is Just All Right, I will Ooh, mention. All right. Mm-hmm. Nice. And Mike Mead on drums, who was in, played with Phil Kagey and Chagall as well. Squint, the album we're talking about, was released November 16th of 1993. So by my calculations, this episode should be airing the day before it turns 30 years old, which is wow. exciting. Yeah. And I do want to give a special shout out that this was requested a while ago by a fan, Luke Bensing. So thank you for that, Luke, uh, for this record. I apologize that I am just too obsessed with hitting albums on their anniversaries that it took us this long to cover it. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your patience, man. Thank you for your patience, yes. This is Steve Taylor's fourth and final proper solo record. He's done two Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil records in the 2010s. Okay. Uh, and this was kind of his first album back since 1987, uh, where he started Chagall Guevara with a couple other guys in his band and did that for like a couple years. And then he came back to make this. So this was like his return to form as a solo artist. So it was kind of a big deal back then. It was released on Warner Brothers. It was produced by Steve Taylor. Yes. It charted at number 17 on Billboard Christian. And other fun facts that I have is that Steve Taylor named his record label Squint that we know of that had uh, Sixpence on it. Right. And uh, there is an accompanying movies from the soundtrack, which has videos for seven of the ten songs uh, that I was not aware of until Aaron from Twitter, who is uh, Baron of Grey, uh, mentioned that so i wasn't aware of that but it is there and it is available on vhs so i think kylan should get that for savage video rental i'm gonna have it. a ccm edition where you can rent a carmen music video yeah movies from the soundtrack of squint nice if you ever stumble upon that definitely get it 
Yeah, if anyone in the wild finds that too and wants to sell it to me, I will I will I will buy it from you. No, pay top dollar. I don't know about that. I'll pay middle dollar. <laughs> middle dollar. <laughs> middle dollar. <laughs> going once, going twice. Just did you see the the guy Bob Ludwig who mastered this album has also worked with artists including Led Zeppelin, Lou Reed, uh, say, yeah, Queen, Bob, Bob Ludwig is a good big name. Jimi Hendrix, a little guy named Paul McCartney, Nirvana, Bruce Springsteen. Paul McCartney, Nirvana. Who's that? Paul McCartney, <laughs> Nirvana. Yeah, it's it's a new it's a it's a Gen Z thing. You wouldn't understand. Okay, all right. It's on the TikToks. <laughs> yeah, man, got that Warner Brothers money. I didn't actually have that in my notes, TJ. So thank you for uh, yeah. Doing I a just love research there. I just love our little like six degrees of separation moment here where we're like, who's Steve Taylor? Oh, that's Steve Taylor. Oh, and he worked with Bob Ludwig, who worked with all of these Everyone amazing else. artists. Yeah. yeah. Steve <laughs> Taylor is like, I don't I don't know if this analogy is gonna make sense to to y'all or anyone in our audience, but he's like the Marty Stewart of CCM. I don't know if you guys know Marty Stewart, but he he's an old country guy who like literally went on a bus to Nashville when he was like 17 and like played in Johnny Cash's band and played in Merle Haggard's band and played with Ricky Skaggs and like Mm -hmm. literally played with everybody, then started a solo career and is now kind of seen as like almost a like country music historian just because he's played Mm -hmm. with everybody. He was like, and everybody and everyone in, in the industry knows him. Like he never Mm -hmm. got to like Garth Brooks level, you know, but He's like that guy, I mean, like the no like has. the Forrest Gump, like the Forrest the Gump man with the like, most right. platinum records, right? <laughs> yeah, he was just around, and connected to everybody. Yeah, and that's how I feel about Steve Taylor. Like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, a little a little Forrest Gumpy in the nineties two thousand CCM world. I can see it. Yeah, and it's crazy that like his biggest claim to fame is just being like the producer for the news. Like, I think didn't he? write all the lyrics to breakfast so it's like yeah. that's a newsboy song but it's like that's really a steve taylor song steve taylor right. song. like yeah. and that's right. happened a lot of times on newsboys where it's like lyrics only steve taylor in this song that we all just were like peter furler's a lyrical genius we're like actually right. steve taylor's well, a lyrical genius it's all steve taylor yeah mm-hmm. steve boy not that peter isn't he's he has his moments for sure yeah yeah but but he just loves that drum machine so much <laughs> he really does <laughs> just in 1999 i think or 1998 <laughs> Stepping up to the microphone. So that wraps up my research. I want to know what y'all know about this record and or Steve Taylor's musical career uh, personally that you've either listened to or if anything, if this is a Larry Norman situation. I know a little more than Larry Norman. I've, I'm, I'm at least aware of Steve Taylor. I've been, I've been more aware of, of who he is. And I've listened to a little bit. Josh, you sent me like last year. What was Did there I? was an yeah, there's an album. There's a song that you sent me of his. It's from Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil. That you're like, does this kind of have national vibes? And it was from oh, the album yeah. Goliath. I think it's stand up comedy or whatever. Yes, or, yes. I think that, yeah. Yeah. And so then I ended up going back and listening to that whole album and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm. I will say that's the only Steve Taylor I listened to. I listened to it a little bit back then. And then I think like a couple of months ago, I was excited for this episode. And I did listen to that record a couple of times. So I've yeah. only listened to that one from him. Same. What about you, TJ? 
I don't know that I've listened to knowingly listened to any of his stuff, to be honest. I feel like my understanding of Steve Taylor has been witnessed on this podcast over the episodes. I love that. Over the volumes. So so this is it, yeah. guys. This is this is the final level. This is the end of Church Games Now. Mm-hmm. We've arrived. Yep. <laughs> Thank you guys Finally. so much. Peace out, mon frères. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could have made it to 75 episodes, you know, three quarters of the way there. But we tried yeah, one. You know, you know, we tried. <laughs> nope. uh, no, dude, I'm so excited for us. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very stoked for good. this. Oh, I did. I was so stoked that I did uh, actually buy the CD <laughs> version of the, the CD the what? copy of this record. The CD. The oh, no. The, <laughs> the what, what am I talking about? Holding Josh is holding up a tape. <laughs> holding a calling tape cassette. it a CD. This is, Josh, are guys, you okay, man? <laughs> Uh, it's guys, the last they episode. Told me we can that be a little these loose. CDs? I've never <laughs> seen this before. It's like a laser disc. No, I, no, it's the cassette. Thank you for correcting me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I bought this on cassette. Uh, I found it for a couple dollars, nice. and I was like, "Yeah." So I have it on cassette, and uh, awesome. this turns Sweet, out to be man. very good. This is actually his only album that was not released on vinyl. Oh, wow. So it's only available on CD and cassette. So if I like it, I'll, I may buy it on CD. And then if I like the rest of his catalog, I may try to get that on vinyl because that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, just, do, do, you do they have sense? it at Collide? Ooh, I don't question. think so. Uh, I don't no. think so. Steve Taylor stuff is pretty old school. A little more obscure. Do you have any sense of why Squint was not released on vinyl as opposed to the others? Was it just less kind of celebrated like or less thing? I'm guessing it's just because like, the rest of it, all of his other stuff were was 80s, mid-80s, when vinyl's obviously still a much bigger thing. Right. And maybe by 93, I can't imagine yeah, vinyl Warner wasn't. Bros. Yeah, yeah, vinyl wasn't as big of a thing. I think everyone was just pushing CDs and cassettes. And, and then there the hasn't run. been enough enough like resurgence. Maybe he'll get the CJN sure. bump. Yeah, and then, this will yeah. finally push him yeah. into getting yeah. the vinyl repress. All right, we got to reach out to Luke Bremer uh, to do a vinyl release. There we squint. go. <laughs> Dude, I'm just looking at this track list. Does anybody know what the hell the lament of Desmond R.G. Underwood Frederick the Fourth is about? No, like, but no, is that a reference? title like that, I'm catches? like, TJ's going to love that, right? Like, <laughs> I hope that's so. A, that's I want a TJ to. title. That's track yeah. one, man. Like, I can't wait to figure out what the hell that's about. That then... sounds like a Sooth song title. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. I, w- I would write a song like that. That's very yep. true. No, and then other... Other song titles, The Moshing Floor. Yes. Sock Heaven. And then the last song, Cash Cow, a rock opera opera. in three small acts. acts. I love it. Yeah, it seems to like, I don't know, because like I said, I haven't listened to this record, but it seems to like toe this line between, like it's not a joke, but he's not taking it super serious. But he's winking a little bit. Yeah, exactly. He's squinting. He's squinting. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) It's It's the the way my daughter blinks. (laughs) (laughs) um so guys all right what do we think is squint gonna be a flop or a bop i mean i think i know where we're all gonna land but we gotta do it for the sake of the show i think based on the the really weird concepty stuff i feel like i can safely give it like a a modest pop prediction for me cool i feel like that's a safe bet what about you josh i'm so excited for this record that if it flops i will be so sad (laughs) <laughs> so I'm pulling yeah. for a big, strong, big bop. bop. Okay, big bop. aspirational bop. I like it. So okay, we found on this show time and time again. I feel like it's a game of expectations. Yes. 
Josh, how long is this record? It is 10 songs at 43 minutes and 9 seconds. Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah. That, that is more than reasonable. I think for the sake of dramatic effect and also to temper expectations, I think I'm going to predict a bear flop. Mm. I think I'm going to have some fun, but I think as much as we've loved talking about the Newsboys, a lot of the stuff that he has produced and written for them, we've kind of talked about that Newsboys thing of like too much song. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried. That, maybe I'm worried well. that that's yeah. I'm worried that that's just going to be like maybe a Steve Taylor thing. Could be, yeah. That and specifically, when given this like opportunity to not just produce for other people, but to do his own material, sure. It's I, like more. I'm, I'm worried it's going to be exactly. That's exactly the word I was going to use. I'm worried it's going to yeah. be a little too indulgent. Yeah. Into that, and silly I don't side. know if this is his first, but I do know some of his earlier solo records had other producers. But I don't know if this is the first time that he produced his own. But that is a potential with that as okay. well. Yeah. I, so I'm just like I said, I'm just trying to temper expectations. I like that. So I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a bear flop. I'm trying to be pragmatic. You know, moving into 2024. I respect that, man. Thank you. Okay, so I think that's going to be it for us. We're gonna we're gonna take a week and listen to 1995. Josh, sorry, three 1993. It's the 30th gonna... anniversary. Cool. Oh, that's right. Uh, we're gonna take a break and listen to 1993's "Squint" by Steve Taylor, and we'll see you on the other side. I can barely see. <laughs> hey, jammers! Interrupting the show here to talk about our favorite sponsor ever, CollideRecords.com. For those of you that may not know, or if it's your first time listening to us, CollideRecords.com has been the greatest sponsor ever. They have vinyl, CDs, all of your physical media needs that you might have. A lot of stuff that we actually cover on this show. That's true. And you know what's even better is if you use our promo code. We have a promo code. You can get what percentage off? Uh, 20% off. 20? 20! 20! 20%. That's wild. Josh, what's that promo code? Hit him with it. Promo code is Church Jams Now, all one word, to get 20% off your first order at Collide Records. Uh, and I would recommend just going and checking out their new releases tab to see what they've mm-hmm. recently got in stock or mm-hmm. check out their pre orders as well. They've always got some new cool stuff coming in as well. In addition to looking up all your old favorites of super hard to find CDs or very awesome pressings of vinyl. I mean, yeah, so fill out that back cool catalog, you know, and do it exactly a little, uh, little on the cheap. It's the way to go. So we'll say that one more time. CollideRecords.com, promo code CHURCHJAMSNOW for 20% off your first purchase. And let's get back to the show. Thank you. Hey, jammers. We're all here. What up? <laughs> that is, is this like what you wanted josh is this what you wanted exactly <laughs> yep this is exactly what i envisioned uh cool um yeah we just wanted to take a minute to talk about our patreon church jams now or sorry patreon.com slash church jams now podcast we have lots of like cool stuff and we're doing some more i don't know i feel kind of experimental things like mm. you know we get to be a little looser because we're kind of locked into the format of the show currently you know Super professional, super serious too. It is on the sh- on the show, so it's nice to step back away from that <laughs> for sure. On the Patreon. If, there, if there's <laughs> one thing people know about Church Jams now, it's that we are super professional. 
So, so, so bad. <laughs> and we don't mangle mm-hmm, any facts. Totally. Um, but Never. on Patreon, yeah, we, we get to be a little more loose. We get to talk not just about uh, Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. You know, we've talked about, we did a little Death Cab series, which was pretty fun. Josh and I did an episode of Disco Dads, where we talked about the National. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot that about that. That was fun. Yeah, and we uh, just released for Halloween, we watched Hangman's Curse with friend of the show, Jonathan Hugendorn. Uh, and we put up that video because we're trying that out, seeing seeing if people want some video content. So yeah, that was wild. It was wild. That was the scariest <laughs> thing I've done this year. Same. And in addition to that, we would obviously love for you to become a patron. But if that you're not able to swing that right now, we would love for you to just give us a rating, a review, and or a review on either Spotify or Apple or both. That would be great. Yeah, doing both. Yeah, that'd be even better. It takes like five seconds. And did you know, guys, that we got a recent review? We did. That said, title is Church Jams Now, two exclamation points. So one up and us. And it says, good people talking good music. And then two of the surfer hands. Okay. So that's cool. Thank you, Man 1138. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. So yeah, if you give us ratings and reviews, it just helps us to podcast algorithms that someone determined that says hey people like this show so it takes a couple of seconds and it helps us out a lot we'd love it yeah yeah get daniel eck to notice us so we can uh, sell out yeah yeah for sure. <laughs> and you can join the jammer elite if you do that we'll, we'll shout you out just like josh just did yeah mm-hmm. and then yeah, you're no, on the show and you're famous i love getting to see whenever we get a new one and i'll gladly read it in That's this true. segment there we all go. right so let's get back to the show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Church Jams Now. I hope you enjoyed those ads as much as we enjoyed making them, which was quite a bit. When you oh, say, yeah. <laughs> I'm having trouble seeing you, Kylan. Oh, oh, you know, hold Are on, hold on. I'm having, yeah, I'm just, having trouble seeing you too. I'm going to get closer to the screen. Hold on. If you kind of close your eyes a little bit, yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, it's all coming into That's focus. That's looking now. better. Ah, all right. <laughs> okay. Squint talk. Welcome to Squint Talk Now. <laughs> <laughs> The visually based gag for an audio based medium. I love it. Only found here. So, you know, I, I feel like this energy is honestly pretty appropriate for the album that. Uh, yeah, tell us <laughs> why, Kylan. Tell us why. How's well, things going? You know, yeah. We, we, we spent some time listening to Squint by Steve Taylor. I'm going to get, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a human person. And so I'm going to. What? No, you're yes. not. <laughs> I am I not an AI. So. If you no. were not this whole time, I'd I'm be not a Scarlett scared. Johansson. I'm not an That's AI. That's wild. <laughs> well, uh, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. So I'm just. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just say right now to all the listeners. Normally, I give the albums uh, a few listens. You know, to fully. I almost said bathe. Bathe isn't the right bask word. In it. Bask, yeah, bask in it. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. let it bathe. I think that, that tracks. That makes yeah. sense to me. But I did not listen to the album until today. I had a rough week, guys. We don't have to get into it, but... <laughs> I'm mysterious <laughs> yeah. for the listeners. Only on yeah. Patreon. Only on Patreon, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if you join our Patreon, tiers start at $2 a month. You can hear... Yeah, I'll start a series of why I had a bad day. With Kylan's <laughs> weekly drama, where where he dishes the dirty deets, mm. spills the tea just for you. Yep. <laughs> but that's not so, this. <laughs> no. So I didn't listen to the album until today. 
So my notes aren't going to be as extensive as they usually are. I just want to go ahead. I don't know. I'm a little embarrassed about it because that's like what this show is. And, and I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to not do it justice, but I'm going to own up to it right now. I think, yeah, I think just admitting it, it's fine. Okay. Uh, admitting to it and just giving that as like a context for why. But then I'm going to say that's okay because I found a website called SockHeaven.org. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> that has <laughs> all Steve Taylor stuff of his discography and his songs and everything and it has all of his songs and it has like you can click on the song it has the lyrics for the song and it has like snippets of like interviews of him talking about them. So I have Steve Taylor quotes on all of these songs from oh, sockheaven.org, which it was a great resource. So if you're out there running oh, that website, not .com. good job. I'm trying to not go to .com. .com. I don't know what .com is. There's a .net that's not working, but sockheaven.org is where I found a lot of tidbits on this record that I'm okay. excited to share. Mm-hmm. I'm excited too. I think that falls squarely in the general thoughts uh, category as well. So yep. my yeah, question I've is, got another TG, general thought. Have, okay, cool. Yeah, I, which y'all know I I generally don't have general thoughts. Um, but I don't know if I brought this up during our party, but, um, you know, I, I can't remember if we talked about this in party, but uh, Steve Taylor's been involved in film as well as audio, right? I think we talked about it in Take Me to Your Leader when we first talked about him. Great. Yeah. So it's been so a long We have time. mentioned it on the show, but it's been a minute. So he's been involved in film quite a bit, and I found that he uh, wrote and directed a pop musical comedy titled Nothing to Lose based on the parable of the prodigal son. And then I also saw that he produced and directed, I believe, um, Blue Like Jazz. That is correct. Uh, yeah. Which, I, you know, I th- that was a, the book and the film were both kind of important moments for, in, in my life. Um, you know, I was, I was a big Donald Miller guy coming up. I just didn't realize he was attached to that. And yeah. uh, I thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, no, he definitely, I'm going to share it on social media, but he, whenever he did his 2014 album, the Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil, they did a Kickstarter for it, and he his video to like launch it is really well done. Like, you can obviously tell like he knows his way around a camera. Like, it's mm-hmm. really good. Sweet. Nice. So maybe that will endear him to you a little bit, Kylan? Well, I'm not you're saying he's... Uh, well... A dramatic, uh, no good, very bad... <laughs> record i mean day yeah sorry sorry yeah yeah okay well i said this off mic too i might as well say it on (laughs) mic as well i was initially pretty grumpy having to listen to this record today i just wasn't in the headspace and we've talked about that how i'm very like susceptible to you know my flopper bops are very susceptible to what's going on in my life it's entirely fair but i have a feeling so i i also want to regardless of where i land i also want to want to give the disclaimer that I want my flop or bop to be conditional. Mm. And if by the end of this conversation, I'm less confident in it, I want to reserve the right to maybe come back later and, and change my mind. Is that okay? That's what the end of year wrap ups for. <laughs> That's mm. right. Perfect. And yeah, we're I mean, close I'm, to the end of the year. So I'll have, I'm already I'll have preparing time. for <laughs> Yeah, I don't think either Josh or I are going to be too smug about it if you have to uh, <laughs> reset your flopper bop assessment at That's the finish good. line of the I year. I was going to say the finish line. Mm, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> Curses, you beat me to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> um, okay, well, should we dive right in, y'all? Let's do it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Track number one 
The Lament of Desmond R.G. Underwood Frederick IV. What a title. I love yep. that. You're like, I've been really grumpy today, and this is the first song title I have to read. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is such a Newsboys song. It totally is. And can I say that I think the opening riff is very reminiscent of our like transition music that you created for us? Oh, my gosh, oh. it is. Yeah, it really is. I yep. didn't even know. I think it might even be the same chords. or It's very similar, the, the type of distortion and everything. That was the first thing I thought of when I heard this track for the first That's time. That's very I'm funny. Like, oh. I didn't even catch that. That's so good. Yep. That sounds like us. <laughs> yeah. And Newsboys also, 100%, to go back to your original point. And it's great. I like this song. Yeah, I was a little... It was more straightforward than I was expecting, because I was like, I'm expecting mm-hmm. Steve Taylor, the clown prince of like Christian pop or whatever, to like just throw some like super zany stuff at me. And I was like, this is a pretty straightforward just like rock song. So I was a little right. like, huh, I was expecting a little bit more from this the first time I heard it. But it's got a lot that yeah. I do enjoy in it. I will For say, sure. I think I was pretty spot on in my part A prediction of mm. the kind of things that I'm not into of like, we've talked about it a bunch of times, but specifically with Newsboys, where they almost have too much song. I feel yep. like like this song feels twice as long. As it actually is. No, Newsboys, you were saying we, they had didn't have enough song, right? But it's just like a lot of repeating stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not and enough so song lyrically, mean, too much song chronologic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Time-wise. Time-wise, yeah, yeah. Like, this song could have been three minutes. Right. <laughs> you gotta open up and jam it a little bit. Yeah, uh, but, you know, definitely classic Steve Taylor lyrical content. Completely. I feel like it's the most pop of his kind of lyrical yeah. work across this album. I loved like I was far too young to depreciate when they read me my expiration date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good moments like lyrically across this mm-hmm. uh, song. The one part that I'm confused on, though, is the like all the name drops. Right. In the choruses. Yeah. Do we know like who like I mean, Galahad, the the. Arthurian knight, obviously. Yeah. No, um, I, I have an exact quote on that, actually. Thank you. That's PJ. amazing. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Perfect. God yeah. bless Sock Heaven. <laughs> Just, yeah, Sock Heaven coming through uh, from interview on Visions of Grey from November of 1993. The interview asks Frederick the song title. Sounds like you're having fun with the name, first of all. And Steve says, yeah, well, it's sort of a chicken and the egg thing. It's sort of like I figured out a chorus and I had to figure out a name to go with it. So basically mm. he had the lines and then he was like, I guess the joke is like, let's make each line part of this guy's name. And then he has to like, he came up with the parts for it. And then he's like, what name can I fit? It's so like Galahad, I need a G that starts with three syllables. Right, and right. So, sure. Yeah. So it's entirely just him like kind of. I don't think there's any meaning, meaning yes. into it. Or <laughs> I think he's just like, no let me meaning. give this guy the most ridiculous name, the longest name I can think of and okay. make a song out of it. I mean, Galahad, bag your agnostic front is a great line. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mostly because of the name Galahad being used. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I love it. Freddie, get ready to meet your maker. That's 
great. That, all, that specifically scheme. feels very Newsboys. Yeah, it right. so yeah, does. Ready to meet your maker feels yep. like classic Newsboys. Mm-hmm. Which we're finding out is classic. This is Steve actually Taylor classic all Steve Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we gotta make that meme so of like sense. this. Like this is Steve Taylor. Always has been. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So musically, can we talk about musically for just a second? Please. Mm, we don't really do that on this show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love, so I don't have time codes. I'm sorry, everybody. But towards the end of the song, there's that like organ jam mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. sounds like almost a little carnival-y. It definitely reminded me of like B-52s. Yes. It felt like he he wore a lot of influences on his sleeve on this record. Completely. And yeah, this one specifically felt like a little B-52s jam, and I very much enjoyed it. Nice. This is a this is a yeah. good. We talked about this with uh, Aaron Sprinkle about like skate jams. This yes. is totally like a skating rink song. Yep, totally. Like, I just imagine like the it's black got that light kind of mid tempo. Yeah, you're kind of bopping along with your roller skates. There's a couple key changes where like stuff yeah. goes up and then comes down, and then he is singing later in a different key. I think you're right. It probably could be a little bit more concise and shorter, but I think it does a good job of changing things up enough to make it yeah. interesting, more interesting than like the space that we saw on some of the newsboys records, like that's Pink true. Leader, where you're like, that's true. You guys are just repeating the chorus and it's a long yep. chorus. Yep. A lot here. That's my thought. Well, and then I will say as an album opener, I think it is very successful. Agreed. Because it does kind of let you know what you're in for. And mm. it might be a little long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it might be a little all over the place. But Definitely. if you listen to this song, you're like, okay, I think I get the vibe. Yep. And it was very unfortunate that it was not the vibe I was feeling today. <laughs> <laughs> it came at a really bad time for you is what you're saying? The vibe of this album? It did. It did. Okay. Came at a really bad time for Kyle. <laughs> It also came at a bad time for me the first time I listened to it, and I felt very similar, and then went back and listened to it a second and third time, and it's one of those that, like, this song for sure, at least, uh, was a grower for me. It was easier for me to sort of appreciate at face value the concept of, like, oh, cool, like, it's just this funny story of this guy who was, like, planning on living a lot more life and finally evolving a little bit as a person you know, I mean, starting to track with my inner guide, getting in touch with my feminine side, playing Cabbage Patch Dolls cabbage with patch my dolls, inner child. child. Like, I, like I love these lyrics, and they mm. they work just at face value. You don't have to overthink them. Right. Um, and so I was able to, like, let the lyrics kind of wash over me a little bit and just kind of bop with, like, this this skate bop, like you like you named it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, it was, like, the less that I thought about it and the more I just let it kind of be, the more... I- I liked it. <laughs> I think that's kind of Steve Taylor's sweet spot. Yeah, I think so. Because I was like overanalyzing it at first, trying right. to make it make a lot of sense. And it just wasn't. And then I think, yeah, hmm. something finally clicked. And I was like, that's what this guy does. He makes a little bit of sense. That's surprising weird to me, TJ, because the lyrics of this are like definitely one of the more thought out than like a, sometimes we tend to cover, I feel like. So I was, thought you were going to be yeah. like full lyrics on and you might be for some of the later songs but well i I guess i should qualify what i'm saying i am full lyrics but it's it's almost like the lyrics are so interesting that i really don't have to overanalyze them i can kind of just let them okay you appreciate the artfulness of them enough that you're like i'm good with them as they are i just kind of it's like i see you you know yeah okay it's almost like yeah it's it's almost like uh the difference between like 
an Edgar Wright movie and like a Terrence Malick movie. Like you watch an Edgar Wright movie and you're just along for the ride. And the whole time you like recognize like, and you're like this guy's smart. He knows what he's like, doing here. He knows what yeah. he's doing. This yeah. is really good. I know there's sure. like, there's something to this, yep. but it's not important to me for the enjoyment of it to like fully understand it and just kind of go along for the ride. And, but right. there's like a lot of content. Okay. Yes. I can do that. You guys can do yeah, that. Thank that's, you. That's yeah. a great All analogy. Right. Yeah, this, I like it. I, I'm still. I'm trying my damnedest to turn this into a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the inevitable <laughs> spinoff it will soon happen. I'm sure. Uh, and I just want to yeah. mention. I did see that Steve said that he had the line. The news of his impending death came at a really bad time for five years before he wrote this song. Like he just had it in his head. Oh, like, nice. Oh, I'm going to oh, wow. turn this into a song one day. He kept it in his back pocket he and did, then finally found yep. the right way to use that idea. Yeah, because I guess it had That's been like five funny. years or something like that from his last record, his last solo record, because he did like the other band, Chagall Guevara. So I guess he was like, I don't know if it'll fit this band, but I'll pocket this for later. And then he did use it. Hmm. I like when that happens. Yeah. Mm, it's fun. Sweet. All right. We got anything else about the song title, which I'm not going to repeat? <laughs> <laughs> the Lament. Hmm. The Lament. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, let's move on to track number two, Bannerman. <laughs> so good this intro was the zaniness that i was expecting of yes. like the the vocals and then when the music kicks in here i love how this music sounds like yeah it sounds like a oh, like a superhero so like a cartoon superhero theme song yes completely so when this song kicked in i was like this is what i was expecting from steve taylor music uh-huh. yeah i didn't know what else to call this other than like cartoon 90s rock like that that's exactly what I Yeah, no no no, that's perfect. Pictured, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also the story of this song is wild. Like I just I had to I had to look into it a little bit to just like get the baseline of like oh it's about like people that are trying to like, you know, get their like their the guys their, like, at sporting events. John 316 are, posters yeah. on the on the sports cam and and spread the message of the good news. And like I still can't tell if he means it, if he's being like, you know, really supportive of that and like, hey, good for you. You're you're out there doing the good work. Or if he's like kind of tongue in cheek, kind of like basically saying these like poster guys are like a little bit too into themselves. And, sure. and he's just kind of laughing about it. I, I don't know. Uh, do you all do you all have any thoughts on that? I have many quotes about this as okay. well <laughs> unless Kyle and you great. want to say your inter- interpretation of it but yeah so i'll Man. say <laughs> he's I, just shaking I his got head. a couple different interviews <laughs> all so from over it <laughs> <laughs> all from sock heaven the guy interviewing him says i should say that came as a real surprise to me as your take on bannerman i did not expect you at all to come down easy on the bannerman um he's like i expected some finger wagging and stuff and steve's like well he said, well, you know what it is, is after the experience of the last five years, those sort of little expressions of faith actually seem cool to me. And then in another interview that I got, but he's, hmm. he was saying, so he was saying that it reminded me most of that, 
most of us that come to Christ often come because of very unartistic methods. I don't really have the nerve that these guys do. I don't think I'd have written Bannerman five years ago, but it was actually the first song I wrote for this album. In fact, it was the first song I'd written on my own in five years. And it seems like this headspace that he was in is that like he was in Chagall and they were playing, there's a regular band and it mm. seemed like they were kind of like in some dark spaces. And so him seeing these stories of like these guys and apparently it's like a coordinated effort. I think at some Olympics where like they had monitors. So they would like sit to where they were knew like the cameras were going to be. And they were like checking, like it was, seemed pretty coordinated wow. of like getting like wow. the John three sixteen on the screen. But like he said, every time he sees him, he smiles a little bit more. He can't help praying for another high score. And it seems like <laughs> he likes the banner man. And he like, it's like, it's showing him. It's kind of like a street preacher on the corner. Like, Hey, like, and it's like the, he he's not going to change the world, but he knows who can. And it's kind of just doing your part. So it seems like Steve is actually pro Bannerman, advocating and, for it. Yeah, and he does say he said, "Now I can't do a song like Bannerman without people hearing it and assuming there must be some kind of satire there somewhere." But he says, "Fair enough. I would expect that <laughs> from his past work." I'm glad he has the perspective to see that. It makes yeah. sense that people would read it that way. Yes, yeah, they're expecting him, like him, to have like a little, like one, like a dig line at the end of the right. song. That's crazy. what I was expecting as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just straightforward. That's wild. Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. I know. That I love helps. that it's just like, hey, I like these guys doing the John three sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> good for them. I mean, hey, somebody's got to be out there wearing the clown wig and face paint. Like, do I they guess know? it's the Banner Man. <laughs> I, Somebody according has to, to those people, they believe <laughs> okay. that someone has to be out there and they believe right. that it's supposed to be them. So right. in their own minds, Kylan, someone does. Mm, in their someone has eye. to be out there. Yeah, Ooh, in their mind's eye. Um, I can't be explained. <laughs> just can't be explained. I wanted to mention, um, I believe, isn't it a Newsboys song that has a co-write from Steve where the word epidermis is used? Epidermis. All right? I can think of is colored people. <laughs> oh, is that DC Talk? Am I thinking of DC yeah, Talk? Yeah, epidermis That's is so showing funny. again. Okay, so yeah, maybe. No, no, no. I yeah, but I feel like I just I I t- the second you said that TJ, I was like transported to an alternate reality where that was a news where it was song. news boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I believed mean, it. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. What is that song? In my mind, they're they're two sides of the same coin. So. But the his verse to primetime football in the Buffalo Snow, freezing his little epidermis, lifts that banner at the first field goal, drinks clam chowder from a thermos. <laughs> Those four lines are so great. Like, <laughs> yes, the character that they're talking about, like, I don't know how you're you, you seem pretty cranky about the whole thing, Kylan. I'm <laughs> I'm a little bit like cynical too. Like I'm the cynic that he's talking about in the chorus, I think. I I, I guess I'm busy navel gazing and being like does anybody need to be out here with posters like you said, Kylan? But but I love those four lines. Yeah. <laughs> like the picture really that good. it paints. The mm-hmm. buffalo snow freezing your skin, the field goal. It's very economic. Clam chowder. But like, it is. Yeah. yeah. But very It's a good rhyme too. How many times do you yes. rap dermis with something? And with thermos too. Both are like yeah. obscure words to choose. But it works so good. Yeah. I want to mention my one of my favorite lines, uh, where he says, Sports fan everywhere, dying for a drink, but they've got to find the well first. One man's ready with a banner and a wink. A whole lot of souls are getting well versed. Well versed. <laughs> he he yeah. pauses right before because he's like, "I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what yep. I'm going to do yep. here." Watch I, me. I Watch love me. that. That's my favorite part of the song. That is a great yeah, one. Yeah, th- this whole album and his whole vibe like speaks to a level of confidence 
as a songwriter. Totally. Yes. That yeah. I really kind of find refreshing, if I'm yeah. being honest. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. he knows what he's doing and he's just and it's like, not this is what it just, is. yeah, it's not just like no shade being thrown, but it's not, it's no like our God is an awesome God. You know what I mean? But it's like a very specific worldview. Yes, right. That he is able to like play with. Exactly. I think, yeah, he does a really good job. It's incredibly unique. Yeah. And then in interspersed with really interesting vocal lines on, on this one, at least like the, the straight up, like, uh, I guess it's like woes or da da or something. Like, it's so catchy. That's an earwig. Like, oh, that's going to be it. stuck in my head forever. Yeah. You know? So melodically and lyrically, like, yeah, there's a lot of skill happening. Um, and maybe, at times, I'll just hint at this, a, a little bravado that might be over the top. Mm. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Like All the right. confidence <laughs> you're talking about, Kylan, is is refreshing at times. Right. And then okay. sometimes it might tiptoe. I like that. Into a little bit of like excess or. Yeah. A I sphere of that extra, as the kids say. Credit I want to mention is that there's some fun credits on this record. It says rhythm guitar and then in brackets, including that catchy chorus riff, Dave Perkins. <laughs> it is a very mm-hmm. catchy chorus riff. I do like that part a lot. Yeah. I was very curious going into this part B, what y'all's favorite songs were going to be. Cause I'm like, I really, I could hazard some guesses, but I was like, I really don't know. And I'm just excited to find out with this album. I feel like there could be different, different times where it's like, this is my favorite song from this album. And then something else mm-hmm. could happen. But there are three songs that from this last week have been my favorites, and this is one of them. This is one of them? Okay. This is one of them. I'm still kind of, I think, <laughs> figuring out what I'm going to call my favorite, but I really do like Bannerman. Sweet. I think you yeah. guys are going to be surprised by mine. <laughs> I'm curious if we have the same one. <laughs> we might. Yeah. This is also a contender for mine, kind of just on a musical basis. And, and lyrically, if, if not conceptually, it's like maybe I struggle with the theme of it or the heart behind it because i'm like i don't know if we need that poster dude out there but like like you said earlier kylan like the economy in the lyricism and the efficacy of his he paints a very clear picture like very yeah quick you're seeing it in your mind yeah yes and i have to respect it i respect the game i just can't get the sports games i i I can't get over the, the cartoon rock I know. I love it. Really it. That's my is. favorite part. Me too. Every time I, I hear it, I smile. It. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's just fun. It's mm-hmm. like if Huey Lewis did a theme song for a Cartoon Network. Yes, okay, that's it. there were a couple moments on this record that I got a little Huey vibes, and it's uh-huh. definitely a lot of Strat usage, but then I listened to some previous Steve Taylor stuff, uh-huh. and there's some big Huey Lewis big Huey influences. Lewis? Okay. Yes. Even earlier. So, Interesting. Yes. All right. All right. Yep. I can dig that. Good mm-hmm. to know. All right, let's move on to track number three, Spud. Wipe that grin off your face, Kyle. You know who was probably smug was the drummer on this song. I love the drums. Oh, one hundred percent. They're just it's they're uh, basically just such... Saint Anger, right? <laughs> Sweat. Yeah, for real. That snare drum. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yep. It's just like a big metal keg. But mm-hmm. I love it, dude. It works so well for this song. Yeah, it does. The band across this whole record is very tight, very locked in. Mm-hmm. It's all guys that definitely know their way around the studio. This is yeah. the, the second song so far on the record where he talks about uh, careers. Yeah. And I guess Bannerman in a way kind of is. Yeah, there's a lot of themes across this record of like your station in life or your like yeah. your social location or your yeah uh, career or vocation or whatever and how that informs your place in society. Included in that is like pushing against the norms or the, the quote unquote mainstream ideology or social cues or whatever the case may be. I, I just want to know who he's talking to or about. His mama. <laughs> Okay. He says it a bunch of times. Uh, hey, mama. Hey, mama. He does. You're right. <laughs> hey, mama. Hey, mama. He also says Rome is burning, but I don't know if he's actually talking about Rome. But like, I, I, I'm genuinely like, do y'all know? Is there oh, like a, a celebrity or like a social figure that's being called out or talked about here? There are well, two. Yeah. He, oh. he, he. Well, no. He name checks three people and uses one of their last names. As a verb, which is like real intense, but really good. What's the other one? Well, he says right right before he one he says part that, master one part master Limbaugh, two parts two parts no oh Limbaugh. But he says okay, that's no, no, what he no. was saying. What's yeah, the other one? So Rush Limbaugh. No, he says right before that. He right before he says. Uh, hold on, let me find. Rome is burning. We're here turning smug. Strike another pose. Power politics. Swallow their conventions. Get your power fix. We love to mud wrestle. We love to be politically correct. He's not oh, saying politically correct. He's oh, saying really? Yes. Wow. Is that not insane? Wow. Politically correct is like one of the That's like, amazing. Blow your mind lines. That's like, amazing. And it's so close to being that too clever by half. Yes, but, it, but it's not. But, it works. <laughs> If there was anyone else, it would, but it it totally works. That's crazy. I never caught that. I just assumed it was like a weird, you know, you're you're in the you're in the ISO booth doing your vocal take, and it's like one a.m. and you're tired, and so you say politically correct, and you really. But it makes sense saying the the like politically correct, like the whole idea of like using religion to like gain power. Right, which then go like ties into so much of the of of the rest of the song, oh, man. which makes right. me right. Isn't that crazy? That's so it's good. In the man. lyrics just confirmed. Yeah, on the book. Wow, Kylan, you like hardly engaged with this record, but you <laughs> caught that. <laughs> yeah, that's, how do you I know? I don't that's know crazy. how my brain works. <laughs> Steve says uh, from an interview in August of two thousand five. Apparently, says "Smug" is a song that has that kind of has one gun pointed at the left and one gun pointed at the right. In fact, when mm. you get to the extremes of either side, they're pretty much the same thing, and they're equally just as smug and self righteous as the other is. Mm. I think at the point, the two people I picked on were Barbara Streisand and Rush Limbaugh, and as far as I'm concerned, they're mm, identical okay. people. They seem extremely self-absorbed and self-important, and it seems the exact opposite of the way Jesus taught us to live. The Bible talks a lot of how ugly pride is, and that's what the song is about. Wild. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm starting to like this song even more. Yeah. I kind of yeah. already thought I it was kind of cool. I thought you would more. And uh, yeah. I, I guess I, I didn't uh, sort of delve into the lyrics. Because like I said, in the first track, I was kind of 
the more that I was just vibing with and letting some of the clever lyrics wash over me and not overthink them, the more I was enjoying the music. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe what happened is by like by my second or third listen on this song, I was just like, I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm just gonna enjoy it. But now that we're so kind of going because, through like, it, yeah, because lyrically, so much of this album, TJ, just feels so right up your alley. Yeah, like, there were yes. there were definitely moments where I was like really locked. Like in with honestly. It. If you had sent me a song with the lyrics, all you smug, starved millions in the thick of the search, welcome to our church, what you want to solve, <laughs> we can help you evolve from merely self-righteous to perfectly smug, I would be like, TJ, these are the greatest lyrics you've ever written. Like, you could <laughs> you could pass this off as, as, one, of my own as, as one of your songs. No, I do feel like a little bit of a, like a kinship with a lot of, you know, his, his lyrical stuff stylings and and the social commentary yeah well that's what kept kept hitting me too of like like it's wild to me like where you're at as a songwriter not being familiar with steve taylor it feels like i found your long lost lyrical dad great uncle yeah (laughs) in a way but but here's the thing and i'm not i'm I'm probably not I, i hope i don't show my hand too much but like I, I had this moment um, during my third listen on this record where I was like hooking into the lyrics a little more, not so much on this song, but on a, a few others. And I was like, you know, I like this, but I think Arcade Fire did it better or maybe not better. But I guess what I'm trying to say is the way they did it resonated with me a little more because I relate to their position a little more. And so right, they're yeah, yeah. sort of approaching things similarly. He's a little over the top sometimes where right. where arcade fire would be a little more subtle Understated. and a yeah. little more oblique or right you know using some imagery that could be taken three different ways and you kind of there's some openness to the interpretation right. whereas like what steve's saying he's saying he's like not mincing words he's not leaving much room for he's your lyrical southern uncle that's a great way to put it. Very loud. But you were, but you were raised by Other your uncle. arcade fire by by your arcade fire. Parents. <laughs> My parents, uh, <laughs> Win and Regine. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I just, I just noticed like the way he his his kind of some of his themes and his like turns of phrase just like oh yeah resonated with me as like similar to to what you do. Yeah, completely because, very well. Yeah, so. you can tell he's putting. A lot and a lot of thought, and he's very like, he's Definitely. very witty. He's very clever, and he's very good at writing. So it's like a great, which all reminds us of TJ. So like, thanks, it's, bud. It's, yep. it's 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 all that that is definitely the comparison there so no i appreciate his that. picture on spotify he's even got the long hair like you he does oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> you, but i you think should have the... been steve taylor for halloween oh man next year next year next year um no one will get it y'all y'all are my audience for that outfit um the line that definitely resonates with me the most as far as like my writing sensibilities and what he brings to the table his very thoughtful approach is vain and fickle where we weaned on a pickle yeah that really that feels like something i would write <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's yeah. the ridiculous Taylorism. That's yeah. like I decided to rhyme something with pickle just for the hell of it, just for fun. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could get away with that. I don't think he, so. It was the '90s. It was different time. It was a different time. Yeah, and th- man, this is a '90s rock record. Like, just oh yeah, across the board because it's ridiculous. It's fun. It has 
a reggae song on it for some reason. Oh, well, I'm I was going to say, I, I have <laughs> my note here on this song, actually, that you can tell that Steven is an experienced musician because all these songs like sound so different. Like It's not like, oh, this song is just a little different from the last song. Yeah, there's it's a lot of variety. The, a lot of variety, yes. That's true. And I do yeah. also want to mention, I like the falsetto in the choruses that he uses at the mm. end. Me too. That's yeah, really that was good. a great moment on this song. Yeah. Also, do what do we know about the that outro sample that, or like the 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 backtrack of like the it's like a preacher or something going on? Yeah. It made me think of that moment in Underdog, Audio Adrenaline. Oh yeah, you know? oh, yeah. That's what it reminded uh, voice me of. actor in brackets. The last voice you hear is Phil Madera, who was playing keys on this record. So oh, oh, wow. cool. they must have just recorded it for this song. Hmm, that's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. All right, losers. Let's move on to track number four. <laughs> I'm not even offended. But hey, you know what? I got good news for you. <laughs> oh, yeah? What yeah, is it? Jesus is for It's losers. just all right with me? <laughs> no. He's for oh. losers, man. He's just all right with oh. losers. Oh, okay. Track four. Jesus is for losers. Just the most streamed song on this record that makes sense hmm. it's got jesus in the title and it's a red hot chili pepper song <laughs> mm, right and it's listen, what beck would have wrong. written instead of loser if he was a christian but listen to his vocal performance no it is red hot chili pepper for sure oh, so that's true. straight up anthony kiedis right there <laughs> yeah 100 and, and you got like the upfront bass too uh-huh. yeah huge in the mix yeah, and yeah. then Frushanti doing a modulated guitar yep. part. Yeah. Like his mm-hmm. influences on a sleeve, man. This is straight up <laughs> an RHCP song. Peppers. Yep. So true. Yep. I think that's why I like, I kind of fell out with this album at the beginning of this song. I came yeah. back to it. This first like intro section. I was like, I don't know about this. Yo. I did not like this song at all, but I'm uh, not a Red Hot Chili. I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> fan. When the instrumentation gets more filled out and like there's more going on, I kind of came came around to to the song. But yeah, earlier on, it just I was kind of bored. <laughs> yeah, I think it comes at a good point in the record because you've had three real upbeat songs and it comes after Smug, too, which is like obviously pointing a lot of fingers. And so I think like I like the magic right. of like being like. Cause it's talking about like pride and being smug and all this stuff. And then kind of leveling the playing field and be like, Hey, like Jesus for losers. And like him being more honest, I feel like than we've heard him on this record. Cause he's, and he's talking like more he's, about himself. Yes. He's talking about himself. He's not talking about a character or right. characters or celebrities or something like that. So Completely. I do like, I do like that about it. That's not one of my favorites on the record, but I do think it's sequenced well and comes at a good time. And obviously it is a good message. Yeah. If you just switch the word Jesus with California. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to change it from losers to something else. But I did like that someone mentioned in an interview of like how Jesus is for losers. You could take it like either way. Jesus is for losers is a good thing or Jesus is for losers as like a like a dig. Right. Mm-hmm. He said it did make a few people mad. But he's like, I go back to the subversive communication in the Bible. You know, so many times Jesus would say something to get people's attentions. 
attention. He knew that he had to engage their minds as well as their hearts. And so a song title like Jesus is for Losers hopefully makes you want to read what the song is saying. And of course, the song says in summary of what Jesus said, I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who need a doctor. All of us are losers. That's why we need a savior. Mm. See, I do love, like intellectually, I love how much thought he puts into yeah, like seemingly silly stuff. Right. Like that is... Like on paper, like like that's a vibe I can totally like get behind. Like I I I For sure. like that. I just don't like the song, but I respect mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? You guys, you guys totally talking, like no, absolutely. I, I I had a lot of moments across this album where I felt exactly that way. Like I like we've we've brought this up before. Mm-hmm. I think you maybe might have been the first person to bring this up, Colin. Where maybe in the Anathello episode where you said conceptually i like what they're doing but vibe wise like the execution doesn't doesn't resonate it doesn't that land. sounds like the anathalo episode <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I i've had a lot of moments across this album where that's exactly how i felt where i'm like i like what you're doing on paper but i don't know that the way that you're executing it when you do it i don't know if it resonates with me or like works really because i do like i like the idea in this song i think it's really cool I like that it can be taken two different ways, but I think there's enough to let you know the way he intends it. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of what he's actually trying to say. Mm-hmm. My main issue with this song was the chorus or the turnaround or whatever you'd want to call it, where it goes back to the just as I am and it goes down mm-hmm. where it feels like it's going to lift. Like the chordal movement mm-hmm. feels like it's, just as I am, but instead it's just as I am and it falls. And like, there's something that kind of deflates in me as a listener when it's the chorus and there's like a drop and I'm not even trying to defend my opinion as objectively the right choice and say that this is the wrong choice, but it it was just like kind of a bummer. I was like, that choice is like, right. It feels flat. To me, it goes back to a, a lot of, a lot of the things on this record you know, it's kind of parallel to a lot of things I've already said. Like, there is this confidence of, like, you know, the whole thing is, like, at this point in his career, musically, he knows the rules so mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. that he can break them. He's playing with them. Yeah, uh, but completely. Just beca- but, you know, to varying levels of success. Like, just right. because you can Agreed. doesn't mean you should. And I do feel like there is a lot of that on this record. Yeah, I think there's times where it works, and then a lot of other times where it kind of doesn't. It it proves his musicianship, which once again, then like Completely. conceptually, like I like that, like, like that's really cool, but yep. it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, Josh, did it work for you? Did you notice that? Did it bother you? Did were you just vibing? Yeah, well, I kind of thought my take on it is like maybe he. Like you're expecting, especially with the song Jesus is for Losers, the title, and it's like obviously the most streamed song. So it seems like that's what people are engaging with and going to. Of like you would expect it to be this big, rising, kind of climactic song that maybe has like this, the, where it gets big in the bridge and like the big chorus at the end. But I think like that's part of the statement of I'm going to make this song simple and maybe a little like, I don't know, deflating, like you said, because like, I'm not trying to make this big like song that like hits these chords and lifts you and like has strings that come in and that like toys with your emotions. Like maybe it's just like, Hey, like this is like simple gospel, like kind of let's not get big and too 
pompous and boisterous with it. Let's just just keep it. Right. That's at least what I kind of think he's doing. Josh, you it. you're making a very good point. It's subversion. It's it's, yeah. it's portal subversion to match. It's it's vibe subversion to, make it, to match yeah, the lyrics. To make, like here's like the message. Like I don't want to take away from like making it the message. Yeah, that's my take on it. And I will say, TJ, like got a lot of like kind of what you were saying. Of at first, I was like, eh, I don't know how this is vibing, but reading a lot of this stuff of like his thoughts on it and what he wrote about it definitely mm. helped them land with me a little bit more. So that context Gave helped it more me. Context. Yeah. Uh, one thing that he re- said about this song that I liked a lot, it said the impetus of this song came when I was reading that about some porn star that had become a Christian. My first reaction was exactly the same as that of people who might have a problem with the song. I thought, that's just what we need, a porn star for Christ. What an embarrassment for the church. But you catch yourself right in the middle of thinking that, and it's like, are you hearing what you're saying? The whole reason Jesus came to heal people was to heal people that are sick. He didn't come for those who didn't need a doctor. My first reaction to this guy was, go somewhere else. But that's not a real Christ-like attitude to have. These songs are very self-indicting. Mm. more context that I was like, yeah, I like that this song and he's not trying to yeah, make it like about that. him or kind right. of like, he's like, he's saying it to himself too. Like, Hey, I need to remind myself of this as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. G- giving himself some perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the best songs, I think for me, like the songs that I feel most passionate about that I've written are the ones that I'm trying to tell my something that I know I needed to hear. If that makes sense. It's not really about what it says to someone else it's more about like it's almost like self-therapy like like Mm -hmm. the message Mm -hmm. that i needed to hear even if it's a hard one even if it's like something that's tricky or challenging to hear or uncomfortable that extra context is really helpful josh because i think it helps me see that he's wrestling with some stuff of his own and doing it publicly which is you know i I gotta hand it to him but it that still doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to resonate with me as a listener which i think that's that's something you've said before colin where it's like i respect it like I don't hook into it, but but I can respect it. Yeah, I still like so. I enjoy what the song is doing, but it's not any of the ones, the top picks that I'm gonna like throw on if I had to pick a top five songs on this record to listen right. to. But that is cool context. I appreciate you sharing that. Because yeah. Thanks, Sock Heaven. Thanks, Sock Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. At this point we're halfway to the finish line. Oh. Track five. Nice. The finish line. is only track five for some reason <laughs> I, there may be a reason why that i'll talk about on the last song for why this is but yeah i was like oh, okay like should have this been the last track maybe it would be a little too yeah. on the nose right for having the last track be the finish line but yeah true. it is set up as like one of the it's like this either the longest or the second longest song on the right, record so it closes long. side a so i like that it's like kind of bookends that as well Mm-hmm. This feels like, like vocally, he's really trying to, and lyrically, he's really trying to do like a Bob Dylan thing. Oh, you think so? I think so. Hmm. Nice. I was gonna say, to me, this starts out as like Larry Norman and ends in like weird, loud, angsty rock opera. Also, Larry Norman. <laughs> yeah. Also, Larry. <laughs> but like, okay, okay, Kylan, I don't know if you saw this coming. This album, more than any other that we've covered on this show, reminded me of the weird experience we shared of being in the 
Musical production. Oh, and Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Hedwig yes, me too. Me too. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Good. Isn't this like very Hedwig? Like it's like the, it the act it... two kind of like yes. rise and fall. That's why I kept thinking like it's got like, has he ever, has he done musical theater? Because this feels like. Completely. I mean, if you've done film, surely, if you've done music and film, that's the bridge yeah, between the, them. So surely. Yeah. The he show has. that he did in the 80s, the musical comedy was like a. You know, it was like a whole thing with the right. prodigal son. It feels that I'm sure that was very musical. Theater. Yeah, this feel. Yeah, this feels like like indie theater production, mm-hmm. which is just crazy to me that it like reminds me of a stage play that we were in about a transvestite. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. About a yeah, a transsexual punk rock beauty queen who's in love with yeah. a with a guy who's a satanist and like all basically like uh-huh. that's content wise the exact opposite yeah. hold on i'm gonna play i think i know what song you're talking about to tj mm-hmm. play you probably play. do i couldn't call it to mind but i was like this has some hedwig vibes origin of love right here oh yeah yeah exactly It's like the same key. Which talks about like how the story of how yep. human beings the used same to be song. like one. Yeah. <laughs> used to be like one creature and then separated so that they could love each other physically. Yeah, it was some and, meta like, stuff, man. Yeah, like it was weird. Kind of cool. And the like syncopated singing. Like this is like like tonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like content wise, the exact opposite of Steve Taylor's. But vibe wise, right. the vibe-wise, exact same. The same. <laughs> yes. Very true. You could lay these songs on each other and they wouldn't mm. conflict too terribly. No. Nope. That's so funny. That's wild. That man. is very good. I like that. <laughs> I really hope John Cameron Mitchell was secretly a Steve Taylor fan. Or maybe they <laughs> were... Versa. Now Hedwig, Hedwig came... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe they did some weirdo theater together. Traveled that in the same circles. Theater. Yeah, I'll say... I like the idea of this song. I like the message of this song, what it's saying. But musically, this mm-hmm. is probably the least interesting one to me. Yep. It's just, yeah, it doesn't get to the level. Unless levels. you've seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Unless I it was in <laughs> Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes, yeah, unless I did that. So, yeah, I'm not like dogging it, but like this was just not my favorite musically. But I like what it is. And he talked about that he wrote it to kind of like encourage like, some of his friends that were kind of like struggling with their faith then like it did. And so at the time of this album or whatever, he said that it was his favorite song. Mm. Well, I can, I also just point out, it's got one of my favorite things, favorite lyrical things that we don't get to talk about much on this show, but he, he says the uh, line the country turnaround. No, he says, I saw you and your comrades bum cigarettes. Bum cigarettes. I knew it. I knew you'd point <laughs> And you that guys out. know I love cigarette references yeah. and songs. It's just such a good word. Like it's true. To mm-hmm. fit in somewhere musically. And I mean you guys know I do I use it in like every <laughs> freaking No, it's song. part of Kylan Savage Bingo. Is yeah, yep. it's, Darlin, it's whiskey, cigarette. Cigarettes. Yep. God, my dad. <laughs> yep. And the context that that line is in too is really cool. I saw you look your licking your wounds. I saw you weave your cocoons, and I saw you changing your tunes for the party line. I saw you Welsh on your debts. I saw you and your comrades bum cigarettes, and you hemmed and you hawed and you hedged all your bets, waiting for a sign. That rhythm scheme is cool. The rhyme scheme's good. The mm-hmm. 
again, the picture it paints is really solid and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no shortage of, of writing talent um, across this album, whether or not it lands or like, you know, resonates. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm saying the same thing <laughs> over again, but <laughs> just no respect. Okay. Respect, yeah. Steve. Yeah. And a, another thing I also respect is an inferred title track, which is fun. Oh, he does yeah. say squint oh, yeah. in this squint. one, where he says, Off in the distance, bloody but wise, as you squint with the light of the truth in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And he says, We don't necessarily see the finish line real clearly in, fun, in front of us. We have to sort of squint to see it. We're pretty sure it's there. It's not easy mm. running this race. Mm, so, okay. Yeah. More like, I really like this idea, but musically, eh, it's fine. Right. But, right. And I did think it was interesting that it has like, almost that same kind of modulated guitar in the right channel again. So it's weird having mm-hmm. that two songs mm-hmm. back to back, which makes me think he originally was going to put this as the last song, but then right. changed it. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I also think this is a great example of like, we're in to track five on this album and we've heard him sing a lot of different ways. Like he is a master yeah. of, he's a chameleon of vocal affect. He turns, turns it on like a switch getting into different modes. Like you said, Dylan, I was hearing Larry Norman. I was hearing Hedwig and like other rock opera kind of stuff. It's so many different and, and we're going to hear more <laughs> like right. as we yeah, get yeah, into for it, sure. but yeah, it's, it's he just likes crazy. To, he likes to do a bunch of different things with his voice. It's essentially really character work, you know, yeah, like yeah. he's, he's kind of like taking on a character for every song and, and becoming them in the way that he approaches his vocal performance. Which sometimes again works, and other times it just feels like a lot of unnecessary. Doesn't, work. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like cool, but can you just sing the song, buddy? Yeah, <laughs> like, because yeah, sometimes yeah. I'll be honest, like that vocal performance where he's really putting it on, you know, and you can mm-hmm. tell that it's like a performance and a character. Like it kind of gets in the way for me. Like it distracts me from actually hooking into the lyrics that we've acknowledged are you know, a lot of times really solid. So yeah, yeah it's kind of like, Hey man, maybe have a little more self-awareness and turn down some of your character work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just... going to ask if you guys, what you guys thought of his voice. Cause he kind of does have a weird, strange voice. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot of the time. And I maybe it's because he's like, I don't have like a smooth crooner, like professional pop singer voice. And so maybe he's right. like, if I just kind of lean into certain things, the it feels a little bit yeah. like a crutch, like almost kind of the exact opposite of what we've been talking about with like the musical confidence. Mm-hmm. I could like see hiding that behind. being like, yeah, like a vocal lack mm-hmm. of confidence, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like he was doing a little bit less of it earlier. Like it's kind of like the Bannerman thing, like the nineties yeah, cartoon When he rock. gets to like the more serious, like autobiographical songs, maybe he's mm-hmm. a little like, uh, I got to play into this. Right. And he's kind of leaning on, on the character too hev- heavily. Yeah. Cause like earlier the lament track Bannerman smug, all three of those, like I didn't notice too many offenders in that way, you know, right. vocally. But then it starts to really, yeah. Starting at it track four, up. it really, mm-hmm. when he's doing his Anthony Kiedis and then it really goes. Yep. Into, <laughs> yep. As we'll see. Give me a whole history on. of rock legends here, you know, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which goes back to my what I said in part A. He's like the forest. His impressions of, of Christian rock. Um, yeah. Okay. Guys, you ready to? Speaking of rock, yeah, for let's real, some go real rock and roll to the Martian floor. The Martian floor. <laughs> 
couldn't stop laughing at this, guys. This is <laughs> tell me this everything. Is, this yeah, is, uh, why? Uh, uh, well, it's a it's a song about moshing by a guy that is very obviously never moshed in his life. <laughs> yep. Like, and he can't help but be zany. Like, it starts yep. out, it's like, okay, there's the distortion, there's, like, the feedback, and then it's just, like, like, the music's, like, kind of heavy, but it's almost mm-hmm. like a weird kind of Devo thing. Like, it's, like, real dancey and not heavy at all, and I think it's very funny. And, like, weirdly Scottish at certain points. Yeah. No, when the verse kicks in... Well, we can listen to it when we when it comes back around. But the verse, like the cadence of the vocal melody, is very born to be wild. Yeah, so it's like get your motor running. That's so uh, funny. I did write. On I, I did not write very many notes, but I did write Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yep. On this, so <laughs> yeah, that's so great. It also has like a. It's like I, I'm. I'm not saying that this is some kind of Aerosmith or like Rolling Stones ripoff, but it. It has this like weird, again, like it's the character. He's like putting on a character of like Mick Jagger or Steven Tyler or something and like trying to be real hard. You know, he's like right. trying to be real rock and roll. But like you said, it's like he's he's wearing a costume, essentially trying right. to pretend like he knows about something. I don't know, man. Because it man. just feels tropey at a certain point. It's just like, are you, oh, you're doing like the moshing song now. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing the chili being pepper authentic song. about it. Yeah. Hold on. I just need to listen to this part again, real quick. I love the vocal split when he yes. says, "When he says crawl, yeah. I want to do that crawl like that." That feels authentic. Yes. Yes. There are so many moments. Those little kind of like micro moments of his vocal performance. That are Girl. great. Like his They're voice really breaks. Great. Like yes, yeah. I like. I think especially his range when it's like high chest voice and head voice, like mm-hmm. right in that sort of like octave or half octave even, where he's hanging out like in a really raw space between chest voice and head yep. voice. I think he excels there. And then when he goes into full falsetto, it's beautiful. Like he really pulls that off. Um, and I wanted more moments like that on the album. There were yeah. enough that I was like, oh, cool. Like he does have some vocal chops, which if I could tell him anything, it would be like, hey, man, quit the character work and just sing, you know, because right. clearly yeah, we yeah. we have these moments where he's just showing up authentically and we're loving it. Yeah. So I'm glad you spotted that because that is so yeah. good. I really enjoyed that. Bro. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like that just feels so real. That feels yes. like he sung this song 15 times. He was like, that's the one. Exactly. That's yep. the take. I've got a lot of stuff on this. So I want you guys, right. I, and I think that it will like sway you. I don't know where, where you're at with this, like currently right now, like TJ and Kylan. Cause like you were saying, guy that's probably not done a lot of moshing in his life. I'm curious, TJ, where you're at, like with this song. Uh, I like it. I like, um, you know, the line about baby boomer, boomers feigning dismay, the nanny that faked a resume, malls and religion, build the new forts, Jesus' franchise, franchise in the food courts. These are great lines. They're great lines. It just feels, I would rather have these lines in a song that I could really hook into and take seriously on a level. It doesn't have to be hyper serious, but like the moshing floor does not necessarily (laughs) feel like the best context for that. I get it though, like the raw energy and he's just kind of mad and he's like trying to use that energy to convey a message. So on one hand, I can understand it and I can be like, I see what you're doing. I'd rather have those lines in a song that I could really be like, 
something more like smug, you know, where I can right. Well, I think for me too, yeah, because there are a lot of good lines, and with the except, but with the exception of that one moment, his vocal performance on Crawl, I think this song suffers more from suffers more vocally than anything mm-hmm. else because mm-hmm. he's doing almost like an Iggy Pop kind of thing, but then he's right. doing the like, it's all just. Cause it's a very kind of punk rock thing of yep. which I know he was going for of just like mostly just kind of one note and it's just kind of nonstop throughout the whole song. Right. So then you kind of like, numb out. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not and actually so you don't pay as much attention, attention except yep. for a couple like literally exactly the specific lines that you called out, TJ, were like the only things mm-hmm. that I really paid attention to. Yeah, I hooked in on those lines especially, and the rest of it kind of was lost on me. Mm, okay. Nice. Well, I got to say, is this your favorite song, What do you got Josh? for us, Josh? <laughs> it probably is. I really <laughs> okay. love this song a lot. And I love just how like big and frantic it gets at the end, and it just right. gets huge, and there's a sweet the halftime cool. chorus mm-hmm. yes. at the end. I forgot I about that. It's a trope of why we always, but I was like, if you go halftime, I'm gonna love it. Like, yep, it's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I love like songs like this. And Kylan, I remember back in the day, there were like there was a Say Anything song on Israel Boy that I really liked, An Orgy of Critics. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense that you would like this because it's kind of like hectic, chaotic. Like it's kind of Project Eighty Six. When I was like a huge Project Eighty Six <laughs> fan, so I was like, maybe I'm just kind of like into songs like going off the rails a little bit in right. that direction but this is like i feel like this one does which fits the vibe of the moshing floor for sure definitely what he was talking about that i think you guys will like or tj especially will like a lot about this kind of like what you're saying about a guy like who probably hasn't done a lot of moshing he says um he said there's something about a bunch of people bouncing off of each other that really represents a lot of different things but then he says you've got a lot of these baby boomers wringing their hands saying what's going on I'm saying, what do you mean? You caused this. You hired the nanny to raise your kids. What are you talking about? And then he also says, he said, really, it's sort of amusing to see parents wringing their hands over Beavis and Butthead or Moshi. And so he's just kind of using Moshi as like something right. that like, what are you guys doing? Where he's like, and he says, you guys made this. Why are you asking psychiatrists what's going on? These are the very fruits of your labor. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. And I, I feel like, I don't know, that's that's some like millennial that's some uh-huh. generational like stuff. Yeah, for sure. As a millennial, sure. I'm like, oh, this is we relate to this. Yeah, yep. we get it. Yeah, yeah. So this was the Gen X version of that, right? For and sure. it is interesting seeing his perspective right in the middle, the sweet spot of like, you know, he he's the one talking about the baby that was raised by the nanny, but he's not the baby himself, you know, and he's also not the boomer, and so he's like kind of right, right in that middle pocket, mm-hmm. um, which offers him a certain amount of perspective. Which I think is why, you know, he's able to write a line like that. Jesus is a franchise. The food court line is very dated, obviously. Doesn't quite hold up. <laughs> they still got those. Yeah. Not as culturally relevant. Yeah. Sad and oh, he does. Now. I did miss that he says, yeah, he says, talk about, I like the third verse when it says, malls and religion build the new forts. Jesus franchise in the food courts. Jesus has become just one more thing to grab and throw into your philosophical bag. It really has nothing to do with moshing <laughs> other than it was a convenient metaphor. <laughs> Hopefully there's a lot more <laughs> under the surface. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the baby boomers like being sort of a, a shorthand for like wealth and privilege um, mm-hmm. makes the mall line make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It, it connects. Thread in that needle. 
Threading that needle, together. baby. That's right. Well, Josh, I'm glad we got to your favorite song. I have talked about so many different favorite songs, and you guys have said nothing on this record yet. <laughs> We're about to go into track seven. Yeah. I'm just baffled. I'm mostly curious about Kylan's. And as well. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to track number seven, Easy Listening. What would you guys say if I said this was my favorite song? I would say, what in the white boy reggae hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the accurate That's that's the accurate response. This is my least favorite song on this album. No, I, really? I hate this song. Good. I hate, Why? It, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. What was the other like white boy reggae song that we like ragged on real bad? That was some Earthsuit one, wasn't it? In an episode. Earthsuit, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Too, but... Yeah, there might yeah. have been one other. I don't do well. Really, we're not already, a fan. <laughs> I already, I'm not a big reggae guy in general. It just doesn't resonate with me. Yep. And, and then, then there's white guy the most, reggae, the most egregious of the character acting that we've exactly, seen Steve do. Exactly. This is His bad. vocal this performance is, bad, dude. is really, and we talked about this originally on. Um, I think we first brought it up on the Super Chick episode. That's what it of, was. Of That's the, what it was. the patois. You. Yes. The affecting the Jamaican accent yeah. just does not work for me. No. Me so neither. I could not even tell you what this song is about. I, I listened to it all the way through. I knew through you were either going to love this song or hate this song. I <laughs> hate it with a fiery passion. Well, that's my problem with it is like if it did make a little more sense to me, and maybe Josh, you've got some sock heaven nuggets of wisdom oh, that can help contextualize I. it but like at the moment y'all like it is a mess like it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> i don't get it i think it's a little appropriative not just like the vocal effect but like the themes and 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 uh subject matter that, that are being used a lot of times and i just i just couldn't figure it out at all i was like is this some future Jamaican grandpa that's like telling his grandkids a story <laughs> about something and I don't know what it is and I'll never know because none of it makes any it doesn't make oh, a single sock of man. sense a single <laughs> sock of sense yeah oh man guys this is a safe space right yes for sure okay yes this is also one of my favorite songs. Oh my on the <laughs> I love Gosh. it. Okay, tell us okay. why, man. This is pretty indicative why. of the record in general. Though the first time I heard this, I was like, I was like, oh, there's the reggae ska that TJ mentioned from <laughs> the genre on Wikipedia yes, or whatever. But I it was all like, made sense. I was like, what is going on here? I did not like it, but then it kept getting stuck in my head, and it's just this is the most out there song in my opinion, and. I ended up just really enjoying it, and I I get the whole appropriate. Like I was worried about the appropriation thing a little bit, but I was like, Steve just has such a weird voice too. Like he's leaning into it a little bit, but I don't feel like it's like too much. At least right. in my in in my mind. But there's a lot that I really really like in this song. Like first of all, the premise of this song where he, it's called Easy Listening, and in the line in the song he says, "Give me that old time easy listening." And in Steve Taylor's mind, the joke he's making is easily easy listening equals reggae. Like 
I love that idea. That seems like a joke right there. That's so funny. That he's like, oh, I'm going to do a song called Easy Listening, but I'll make it reggae. <laughs> so I love that idea. And then there's, I love the lines, my conscience was clear, but my wallet was full. I didn't hear num- none of this sacrifice bull, which I love that. That's so clever of obviously bulls used for sacrifice and using right. bull as BS. Like mm-hmm. that's genius for me. That's really good. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that line fully until this moment. Thank no, you, Josh. I love it so much. Uh, and then his, his, oh, oh, ah, ah, easy listening. That's like, that's an earworm right there. You can hate it. I can understand if you hate it, but I really love it. I think it's hilarious. And his, Barry Manilow or whatever <laughs> uh-huh. that he does. That was wild. Yes, it was. And so I, I'm going to say, I, I have, I'm just going to spill all my beans right here. He was talking about that it just surprises me that a lot of CCM music still seems like it owes more to Mr. Manilow than anybody. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong. I love Barry Manilow as much as the next guy. Maybe I'll do a cover album. Maybe of all Manilow, Manilow tunes someday. <laughs> but I think a lot of that music is just about telling people what they want to hear. Oh, yeah. And then he says, plus it was another chance to dabble in another musical genre that I can mess up as thoroughly as I've messed up with previous ones. Mm. And then I think the I idea... I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So he's definitely not thinking he's nailing it here. I think that's yep. the point of it. It's like, Well, yeah, it lets me know that he has some self-awareness and some humility about like where, like his social location, where he's coming to all of these genres from. Yes. Yeah. Which helps legitimize it a little a little bit for me. I'll yes, say. yeah, so yeah. That, that's good. That's good. Pull quote. And then I think, I guess the song in general is talking about, he's like, an old man gathers his grandchildren together in the year 2044 to tell them about the good old days of the 90s and 80s when Christianity meant easy living, satellites replaced one-on-one evangelism, and sacrifice, in quotes, was a dirty word. So I guess that's mm. kind of the idea of this song of 2044, which also works for so 2024, which off. is next year. No, you weren't. You were right yeah. there. And I just thought he was pretending to be a Jamaican grandpa. <laughs> because no, he just, sounds like one. Yes, he does. Which is yeah. weird, Steve. Don't Easy do that. Easy listening. Man. Gonna start a radio station, spread the good word in the Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. Yep. So I I came very full circle on this song. At first, I was not into it at all and did not like it. But the more I listened to it and the more... I feel like I'm in on the joke with Steve on it. Like, mm, mm-hmm. so that helps me enjoy it a lot. I understand it's a f- extremely ridiculous song, but that really is why is. I like it so that much. That context <laughs> does help a little bit. Yeah. Not much. Yeah. But like a I little said, bit. A smidge. That's all, I, that's all I can try to do, you know, just a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Seven songs in. No one's favorite song. No one's favorite song yet. Wow. Well, I other mentioned than, other than my I other, y'all's contender. favorite songs. Oh, you did have a contender with Bannerman. Yeah. Wow. And then okay. I, I really warmed up to Smug a lot more too as we went through it. So I think those are my my contenders at the moment. Yeah. Well, curses. We haven't hit <laughs> curses, my favorite yet. Kylan. Here's track number eight. Curses. What's that I hear? Is it salty? It, oh no! Is it sour? I can't do it! I can't oh, do it! Oh no! What a bad day you're having right now! <laughs> <laughs> I know. I also hated this song too. 
Oh, and it was just back to back. I think I just too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But okay. But that's you know what? That's not fair. This is some sweet sweet bass. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're right. You're you guys. Okay. You're you're fully right. We thought so. It was, this was going to be a dark day if there was no sweet sweet bass <laughs> on this entire. I know. Record. The, I know. Oof. No, you're right. I, that might be the first CJN episode with no sweet sweet bass. If I didn't. Mm-hmm. All right, that was a good catch. Might be. Yeah, I don't dig this song. Except it does this for four minutes. Only this. <laughs> yeah, this only is like only the proto first part metal of the kind of. It's very like system of a down. Stuff. Yeah, and I not not into it. I was not into it either. I was kind and of feeling like in... Alice in Chains, kind of like yeah, rock grunge kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do love that falsetto moment where he goes up to "Never Have I Seen Them Slip Through Your Hands." Again, that's a one of those like micro moments of vocal authenticity where his just natural vocal performance shines. And it's great. That was kind of to me the redeeming moment on this whole song. <laughs> like that was Oh it. dang. <laughs> it's just yeah. it yeah. Just that do 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 It's dark and like broody and not I don't know. There's like good ways of doing that, I guess, for for me as a listener and this is the opposite of that. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most straightforward songs on this record. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of get a little bit rote and tiring. Right. Yeah. I will agree with that. And the line, as we watch the family die, an orphan choir rehearses their daddy's left without a goodbye. Will you, my man, buckle under these curses? That's so dark, man. That's so sad. <laughs> like, true. I, just, I was just like, oh, good writing. But like, took me to a bad place <laughs> it's like oh yeah and then the curses fall on another deserter mm-hmm yep yeah this one's intense though but it is which i got in looking into it that he's writing about like men leaving their families and mm-hmm. their their children and whatnot so i was like at first i was like i thought it was like deserting your faith or whatever but i was like deserting your family I'm like okay that makes a little more sense why it's more like yeah. dire and a little but it and... just it still just feels very judgy and like not like it doesn't feel like the self-aware Steve from Jesus is for losers. It feels like smug but worse kind of, you know? Hmm. It's like very finger pointy. Still a bummer. Like a, a yeah. valid a valid critique. I I'm what I that's what I mean to say. But like maybe your position could be like a little more aiming at redemption or like I don't know, trying to find some kind of salvation in the in the image of the person that you're speaking to i don't know i don't know it just those kinds of songs really like don't work for me because i'm like right oh woof the bummer (laughs) i get that i get that sorry diatribe over (laughs) no no you're good i felt like you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but i think he changes the vocal melody a little bit in like the last course because he goes up a little bit higher in those falsettos at least for some of them and so to me, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think the chords changed, but it makes it feel more major, like and more like mm-hmm. it's resolved to me. It, maybe the chords were changing from what they were previously, but I thought it was like just in the vocal change. So I mm. I did enjoy that. I was like, oh, that kind of changes things up a little bit. Yeah, I there was a I shift. I didn't enjoy anything end. about it. <laughs> that was a rough record, man. <laughs> Sorry. I love it too because I feel like Kylan is letting me say all the things about this record that he doesn't like and he's just like not like i'm i'm like your tra- <laughs> like your what's the uh the bit the anger translator the obama anger translator yeah 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 
I'm your your Steve Taylor anger translator. I don't want all the Taylor <laughs> heads episode. coming after me. Uh, no, yeah. I just I I just I it was the one two punch of easy listening and curses that I yeah because really, okay I will say like I did I had a good time through quite a bit of this record but this like back little chunk I just I couldn't do it hmm. right <laughs> that's fair that's fair yep I'm with you man I think it was like the the black hole of the record. Like, yeah, you know, we've been orbiting around the Steve Taylor universe. And then this, well, this is where the record started to feel really long to me. Yeah, it does, does get a little long in these last couple songs. Mm-hmm. I was feeling it, too. Like, it's a little too much. But mm-hmm. and this one, I also have the least amount of cool notes and context about as well. So, well, then let's Good just move on to the next song. Let's go to Track heaven. Number y'all. nine. Sockheaven.org. No, it's just sock heaven. But see, then then this starts to to bring it back for me. Okay, I love but is drums. this a Genesis song? Or like yeah. Peter Gabriel or something, because uh-huh, for sure, <laughs> it's kind of awesome and it's great. It's pretty good. Yeah, with that weird. This bass to me is going. sweet, sweet bass. <laughs> yeah, and it's got like the like bass. electronic I'm drums with like the kind of like like world music thing. This also yeah, we talked about kind of stuff. I don't remember what we talked about it on, but musically, this also sounds like a Donkey Kong country level <laughs> definitely <laughs> could like this that sounds like something for him episode i think yeah it? there it is yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. this this i could also see on a super nintendo on a big old mm-hmm. crt tv in my parents basement <laughs> yeah and those like high female vocals the weird slide mm-hmm. guitar that comes in it is very like world music kind of i don't know it makes it just makes me think of peter gabriel like straight up who does he sound like this time I don't know. I couldn't figure it out on this Almost one. Almost Bowie, kind of like when Bowie's mm-hmm. doing like his more tender kind of vocal styling. It's wild. This was another come up song for me where I was like, at first I was like, ah, I'm not into this. And then the more and more I listened to it, I was like, I kind of like this. It's weird. It's out Yeah, there. this one grew I on me it. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. I still don't understand it. It must be a fan favorite. Yeah, if they named yeah, it. Yeah, the website's named that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You said you had some uh, some context for us on this one, Josh, right? Man, I do. I almost have too much. And and a lot of the stuff I will say, it seems like Steve is saying kind of the same thing to different interviews. So a lot of it, I feel like, is a little bit of a retread. Yes, Kyle? Prince. It Prince is Prince, Prince oh, It is. Thank you so much. I knew there was like an iconic it it's Prince. figure yeah, yeah. that I couldn't yeah, yeah. place. Thank yeah, you yeah. so oh, much. He's doing it Prince. Is Prince. You're so He's doing right. Prince. You're so right. Yeah. It's Peter Gabriel meets well Sorry, it hit me when I was I was listening. <laughs> to, no, I'm so yes, glad to the uh, high okay. part. Yep. That's so satisfying. Okay. <laughs> yep. Thank you. All right. So he says Sock Heaven is the most autobiographical song that I've ever done. It tells the story of my retirement and my coming back into the music world and then with Chagall, the other previous band, and then returning to Christian music. Said so when I retired from gospel music, it wasn't because I was angry or disenchanted or anything like that. It was just because, frankly, it felt like there was something else. It felt like if I would have stayed in at that point, I had completed my contract. I had an offer to do another one, 
I think there was something inherent in the offer. It was sort of like, we want you to keep selling a lot of records, and you really need to become at least somewhat more mainstream in your approach to this. And so if I would have stayed in at that point, I probably would have been doing it for the wrong motives, because financial security would have been probably primary in my motive. But the thought of sort of becoming more mainstream was not very appealing. And then he says, uh, I did like the part where he was talking about my experience in trying, he's talking about it in another interview of talking about labels. My experience in trying to get something going with a label in like the early eighties was I look around to some pop labels and they said, we like the music, but the lyrics would offend our listeners. And of course, then I went to Christian labels and they said, we don't like the music and the lyrics would offend our listeners. <laughs> so on both sides, <laughs> mm. but yeah, when that song was written, I was still trying to sort it all out. So I like the idea of him being like, I don't fit in this one side sits with their God in a box and the other side sits and nervously mocks heaven. And so I like the idea of like mm. being a misfit between those two and be like, yeah, Hopefully, maybe there's a place in sock heaven for me. So he's really like uh, akin to Larry Norman. Like he's like mm-hmm. that. He's mm-hmm. in that misfit space. He's like the next generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. That's that really helps make the song make a little more sense. Didn't want a platform to build a new church. Didn't want a mansion in rock heaven. Didn't want more than to be understood. Maybe there's a place up in stock heaven. That's cool. Yeah, and I like that it's couched in this kind of silly idea. Sock yes. heaven is just yeah. like, again it feels like, like but it's socks in the like dryer. Yeah. yeah, but it's Taylor's like instantly relatable. Yeah, yeah, it's a commonplace object that he's like projecting meaning onto in a way that we can all relate to correct yeah and turning it into his most autobiographical song about losing (laughs) socks in the dryer (laughs) man why do i all of a sudden really like this song a lot that's what i'm saying (laughs) is like i really need already like context of like uh, so that elevated this whole record for me having that extra yeah because it makes it personal yeah. When you understand it, you're like, oh, like we've all kind of felt, you know, othered or like isolated or left out or misunderstood. And yeah, he's he's really confessing his experience and, and trying to share it with people as opposed to like hide it away. Like, I feel like a lot of musicians go through this experience and don't, you know, they try to cover it up or like act like it's not that big of a deal. And here he is like being very confessional about it and explaining that it was hard, but that he's just trying to like find his path which mm-hmm. i think is awesome and not fitting in with either one of the right of either building a church or getting into rock heaven <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's so weird all right gentlemen we got we got one more track Let's wow get to okay it. no one has said their favorite song i wonder what it could be well uh, neither I, of y'all I, have I, I will say i'm just gonna go ahead and say i i don't know what my favorite song is on this album i feel like it fluctuates between Bannerman Smug and Sock Heaven because y'all just like oh, okay made this this Sock Heaven song make a lot more sense to me. So cool. Nice. So Sock Heaven might be yours. Um, it could be. It's in the running. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's move on to track number 10, Cash Cow, a rock opera in three small acts. It was a morning just like any other morning in the Sinai Desert, 1200 B.C. It glistened, it glowed, it rose from the gold of the children of Israel and most of the adults. The cash cow. 
Hands down my favorite on this record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? Tell us why. Tell us more. I don't know, man. It kind of just threw me for a loop. In a good way this time. Yeah. Like, this was the kind of zaniness I was anticipating a little bit. This, to go back, was also very musical theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is the most Hedwig song. That yeah. other one had moments of it, but this one is like full on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's like literally just like narrating. Right. While it's like this gothic kind of music like, that's like very, choir. yeah, but that's like very indicative of like, like old timey kind of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stomps and claps. Yeah. It feels like almost like an homage to the Char- Charlton Heston. What's the, name? what's the name of the movie? Take a Mims, thank you. Yeah, because it's yeah. all about the the golden cat. Although this and everything. did this intro totally reminded me of the Spinal Tap song, the where they have the Stonehenge. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> like where they're just like talking and telling the story, like it feels uh-huh. very much like that. And this part's kind of it's all kind of silly, but then he has some interesting stuff. Like he he says, mm-hmm. "Golden Cash Cow." Had a body yeah. like the great cows of ancient Egypt and a face like the face of Robert Tilton without the horns. Without which is the really, horns. Which is like I loved. That's real great. intense. For those that don't know, uh, he was a televangelist uh, and like a like a famous evangelical preacher. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and kind of still is. Like he got yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like outed in like the right? 90s. Yeah. yeah. But then I don't know if y'all have seen this uh, last week tonight episode like a segment that they did on his church where like their John Oliver's team is like corresponding with him and like the absurdity of like them just like asking for like, that's what he got in trouble for. And like, everyone was like, this guy just asked for money, like in uses. Right. And then like, he's still doing it. And like, they did that segment like a couple years ago, but right. that's what I was like, dang, but I didn't know who Robert Tilton was until this. And I was like, Oh dang, what a burn. But, I know. Like, yeah. Got him. Deservingly. Good. So, also, in that same verse, I love the line um, talking about the, the golden calf. And he, he says, it glistened, it glowed, it rose from the gold of the children of Israel and most of the adults. Yep. It feels yep. like a stand-up comedy, like transition joke. Yep. Like, they're not pausing too long with the delivery. They're just like moving right on. And most of the adults, the cash cow, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't slow down. He just goes right into the next line. Yeah. So like, too. it's a blink if you miss it or you'll miss it kind of thing. But then, like, so it's like, it's all kind of silly. Yeah. But then, like, the little, the kind of, I guess, third act of it, it's almost, to me, it it feels like like that last kind of rock and roll part of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Where this whole like, thing just starts also has like some huge moving. queen energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the outro is amazing. The outro is one of my favorite moments on this album, unapologetically, because yeah. it, it goes hard. That's not a dig on... You know all the other moments on the album. That's just to say, yeah, that the it does. It does like a two-time kind of thing. Like it's like double time, mm-hmm. and just like gets kind. I of... I thought it was weird having such a long gap between like when the second act ends to when that comes in. Right. Like I would have liked if like that part of I deserve better and it falls off, and then like you get the guitar coming in or whatever. So I, maybe I would have liked it a little bit sooner. But I, the ending mm-hmm. is worth the wait. It's so good. It's just straight up rock and roll. Yeah, Steve's finally actually rocking. Yeah. Like he's been talking about rocking a lot and like right. trying to put on rock like a coat. Now yeah. he's finally becoming <laughs> rock. Yep. Fully. He's becoming. arrived. 
Yeah. I very much enjoyed it. This is a great yeah, song. Great. Good. <laughs> I love that. I'm glad you did. I was surprised, by the way. Oh, yeah. of how much you liked it or of this and, song? Yeah. And I, well, that it was your favorite? All of it. All of the above. Because like, like I said, I was pretty grumpy and I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to have a favorite song on this. I guess the first song. I don't know. And then this song right. came on and I was like, okay. It stuck okay. the landing a little bit more than the other. And then I listened to it again, and I was like, "All right, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah." Mm-hmm. Well, then he's like, he's doing wolf howls in the chorus, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then like right into like the Real, second like, chorus, he's like, Warren there's Zivon like a like a too. cackle, like yes. a maniacal mm-hmm. cackle laugh. That I was like, this mm-hmm. is so out there. It but is pretty Zivon. I didn't think about that. And works. That's great. I have uh, a quote from him that says. Cash Cow was just trying to take the thing sort of to the limits of absurdity. Oh, he nailed that. That's why I put it at the <laughs> end, because on one of his previous records on the Fritz, I put Lifeboat on cut seven, and a lot of people told me, especially Near, said, can you put that at the end next time so we could hear it a couple times, and then we could skip over it easily? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's wow. why he put this song as last. So was like, and if you guys want to skip line. it, it's... It's the last song, so you can skip it easily. That's so funny. Brutal. What an interesting moment for an artist to, to like, pander to. Like, I don't even know if I'd call that a fan. You know, it's like. He said a lot of people, especially near to him, said that. Oh, my goodness. Brutal. Yikes. But. But he took the criticism and still, and didn't just cut. Yeah, he kept it in the song. And in fact, I think for. A lot of like musicians and music, um, music appreciators, audiophiles and such. The last track has a special place in people's hearts, or like a yeah. level of expectation, right? You you kind of hold it in high regard, just like you do a first track or like a mid mid album track or something. Like there's a specialness to it, so it could be like a secret way that he's kind of winking and being like, "Sure, last track, yeah, no problem." But yeah. but it but it still like has like a, a bit of preciousness about it in a good way. Yeah. Because it gets to round out the album yeah. and become Kylan's favorite track. Surprisingly. Yeah, right. It's swooping in right at the end. The I know. Cow. But it also I mean, makes you guys a lot know of how sense, I am man. about last song. You got licked by the cash cow, Kylan, is what you're I saying? I did, yeah. Man. Yeah, watch out for that, bro. That's yeah. I landed about. landed my butter. What does he say about butter? Landed my, oh my butter God. in a sling. Yeah. Dude, lick like what was it? Licking the udders or something? <laughs> yeah, we'll land your butter. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> oh, and the line, uh, I think it's verse three. He says, cash cow coming to get you. Why? Because you think this is stupid, don't you? It's like he's breaking this giant fourth wall. Like, right. From the Israelites to like the, you know, modern social commentary to the, you as an individual, the listener. Like he's like breaking yep. through all of the walls of narrative yep. straight at you. I felt like, I was being targeted. I was Steve like, was talking to you. <laughs> yep. I kind of do, man. Oh, you got me. You got me. <laughs> the cash cow will not be mocked, he goes on to say. <laughs> the cash cow's planning a coup. The cash cow chews cud bigger than you. I was mm-hmm. like, damn, that cud probably is a lot bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Made of gold. But the rad mm-hmm. song, silly as hell, but it also yep. rocks. <laughs> Very. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, we did it. We listened to Squint by Steve that Taylor. It. We did do it. So now we got to do our final flopper bop verdicts. What order, did, Josh? You pick. You tell us. You tell us how we want to do this. Highland, me, TJ. All right. 
You gonna have me go first? Really? Yes, I'm gonna have really? you go first. Really? After all the after everything rip I said this about band aid off. Just rip this band aid okay. off. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It was a bop. What? Dude. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah no. I did enjoy it. Really? I think I, you yeah. Had me going. Yeah. I had me going too, if I'm being honest with you. But yeah, I did not expect that. It's I a did soft not bop. Either. It's a soft sure. bop. Okay. Easy listening and curses are almost enough to make this a full on <laughs> flop. Mm-hmm. Man, but I I did I did have fun listening to this. It did pick up my mood a little bit. Good. You know, which what more can you ask for when doing this show? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I like that. I'm excited to dig more into Steve Taylor. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I was hoping that this wouldn't be like, no, that's enough Steve Taylor for me. <laughs> no, that's enough for me. <laughs> no, but it does speak to like my goofy little like seven-year-old sensibility like the things that i really connected to with newsboys and it wasn't as overwhelming as i anticipated it's there but a lot of it wasn't just silly for silly's sake like there was like so it was an interesting kind of exercise in using it like a very much like a court jester of you can tell there's a lot of craft behind it or like Mm -hmm. a like a damn good clown I yep. like the court jester. Yeah, you're yeah. right. No, that's Good. exactly how I feel about it too. And there's a level of respect that you can offer to somebody who is approaching their craft with so much thought. Yep. So that's where I landed. Wow. I guess that's so weird. I didn't really even surprise me. Surprise hey, I surprised myself kind of. too. I didn't expect it either, man. I love it. If this conversation had gone a different way, I very easily could have flopped it. <laughs> So it was entirely contextual. (laughs) I think so, but I did like it. Like I did enjoy listening to the record. So good. That's enough. That's enough to just take it over the line for me. Right on. A bear, like it, like if you squint, it it may be a flop. Could look like a flop, (laughs) but (laughs) it is hard enough. You can see the bop in there. Exactly. That looks like an F and an L, but it's really a B. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I might. I too myself have been there. When I said those three little words, flop or bop. Flop or bop. (laughs) Yeah, man. All right, who is next? It's me. All right, Josh. Joshy boy. Okay. PPJ. PPJ. So I'm going to say I was very excited to listen to this record, and I was expecting a lot from it. And my first listen, I was very underwhelmed and was like very, I was let down. I was like, oh. I was really thinking this was going to be my new, like, Steve Taylor's going to be my new favorite, like, retro CCM artist and, like, a Larry Norman Jr. situation of what we mm-hmm. had on Only Visiting This Planet. And so I was a little bummed about that. Yeah. But then I, I kept listening to the record. I don't know how many times I listened to it. I probably listened to it four or five times at least throughout the last week. And so, like TJ was saying, a lot of the songs grow on you, and the whole record really did. At first, I was not into it, mm. and I was like, I don't think this, I'm going to like this very much. I th- am I going to flop this record? Is everyone going to flop this record? Mm. And then I started coming around on it, and like I said, this whole episode, a lot of the context for these songs really helped make it a lot more personal. That did help hearing, a lot. Yeah. yeah, of like why Completely. he wrote things, and yeah, so that was a big thing to put it over for me. So it's a very much of a contextual bop. But I'm definitely going to bop this record. I I liked it a lot. I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to covering more Steve Taylor in the future. So, bop for me. All right, right on. EJ, where are you at, man? Well, we're we're coming down to the finish line here, y'all. 
<laughs> and I don't want to be too smug, but uh, I. How are you going to fit in? I'm just. I'm so curious. I'm I forget this. I'm not. I was like, I know. <laughs> no, I was like, there's no way. Fit in tracks one and ten. <laughs> I, I can't try to do it every time because then it wouldn't be a special. So I like playing with it and throwing a few out there to make y'all wonder. Like, is he if I'm do going it? to? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, not not this time. But um, I'm curious if this was easy listening for you or not, TJ. Uh, curses! You got me figured out. <laughs> no, I I I enjoyed listening to this album. It, like you said, just like I said, like we've all said, it kind of had its moments that kind of grew on you, and you could appreciate. You could like dip into the lyricism, the interesting genres that he's playing with. There were also some egregious uh, <laughs> levels of appropriation and <laughs> just like weird choices that didn't work for me um i think steve's talents and style are a double-edged sword they're both like his Mm -hmm. strengths and his weaknesses Hmm. for me as a listener um because they either land and i'm like that's really cool you took a big swing you're such an experimental strange confident swaggering musician and singer and lyricist and then sometimes you take you take big swings and they really don't land yep so all said and done, I think I would flop this record, but I would bop an EP of oh, there it is. The Lament, <laughs> Bannerman, Smug, Sock Heaven, and Cash Cow. A tight kind of like, five track. Kind of the record. The beginning and the end. Yeah, the beginning and the end. That's all I yep. want because I think I also need Steve in doses, in small doses. I think I only have enough bandwidth for what he does, even though I really appreciate it and and think it's interesting and compelling. And I like that he's so weird. And and like y'all said, he's my weird, overly confident, swaggery, Southern Texas uncle. Right. <laughs> and so I, I appreciate it, but I only want it in small doses, just like you don't live with that uncle. You go visit him, you know, right, right. and you're like, wow, you're a lot. And that was fun, but <laughs> I need to be this done with really this fun for the summer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then the fall comes and you're like, come out. So yeah, I would bop an EP of tracks one, two, and three, and nine and ten um, would would not bop this album as it is. That's half the record. I feel like that's that's a good amount. Yeah, I like those songs. You know, they're weird and fun, and I feel like they'd even make a nice EP. Yeah, thematically, just just those five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's me. So All we got right. a like a bop, a bop, and an almost bop. If you squint. It a might be a squint. It's a triple bop. <laughs> might be a bop. Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, cool. All right, guys, we did it. Uh, I would love to hear from jammers. Is squint a, a flop or a bop for you? Mm. Uh, we were very excited. Thanks for joining us on this journey into into Steve Taylor. Finally, it's yes. been long into enough. sock heaven. So into sock heaven.org. Finally made it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> to the moshing so floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So if you enjoy this, we got more nonsense. Like it on our Patreon at patreon.com slash church jams now podcast. You can also follow us on all the social media. We just got a TikTok, I believe. I don't True, know how it works. Uh, but maybe the young kids figuring it out. All right. Follow us at church jams now everywhere. Of course. May all your favorite bands stay together and peace out. Come on, Peace out, Monfrey's does sound like a like a a line Steve Taylor would use. Steve Taylor line. Yep. Yep. Totally.